0: So today, we're going to be speaking about the armor of God. And if you've gone to church for any amount of time, you will have heard of it, but I want us to understand more about it. So we're going to be looking mostly at the book of Ephesians. Ephesians, if you're not familiar with it, is just a long instruction manual for the church. It's incredible. It goes through how to run the church. It goes through parents and children and mothers and fathers, um husbands and wives. It's just really great. And I strongly suggest if you haven't read it or you're not familiar with it, to sit down and become familiar with it because it's incredible. Not that any of the Bible isn't, but that one in particular stands out as a really good book. <clears throat> so the goal of today is that you walk away, like I said, understanding the armor of God outside of the cheesy little Sunday school graphic of the soldier Do you guys remember that? And it's like the same piece of paper that's been copied hundreds of times and it's blurry and like the lines are all, and you can't really read it and like some of the words are off. Outside of that, how do we understand, how do we utilize, how do we use the armor of God? And as Christians, we know, because we say it all the time, oh, God has given us everything that we need. Everything has been provided for us by him. But there's something important to look at before we get into the armor of God, and that is the other things that I hear a lot of believers say, which is things like, ah, I just, I just gave into the temptation, I don't know what happened, or I don't know what came over me, I just fill in the blank after that, whatever your thing is, right? The devil made me do it, he, he probably didn't need to. Uh, that's what I'm gonna talk about real quick. Uh, God has provided everything we need and we typically think of that as just provision, you know, all the things that we we consume that we use that we store. But he has also provided you with the will to say no, the will to do what is right. There is a very real enemy that is out there that hates us because of who we follow and who we believe and who we've given our lives to. So what do we do? Like, how do we wake up every day and live a Christian life? Now, there's a few things I need you to hear very carefully, and this is one of them. A big part of growing in relationship with Christ is not having to restart your relationship every day. What I mean by that is we need to not be actively choosing and walking into sin willingly, You have the free will given to us by God and we need to use it to say no. If you're repeating the same sin every day, every night, over and over again, how do you expect to grow closer in relationship to Christ? It's just, it's not gonna work. So nobody can say no for you. No pastor, no leader, you have to say no for you. You gotta stand up. The armor of God, as we get into this, I wanna make something else very clear. It does not remove personal responsibility. It actually highlights and stresses how important your personal responsibility to walk out this faith is. So let's read what Paul thought was important enough to send to the church while he was in the middle of a four-year prison sentence for the Christ, for the for the kingdom and for Jesus. Ephesians 6 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles. I did not know what this word meant. And typically when I don't understand a word in the Bible, I skip it. Not ideal, right? The old do as I say, not as I do thing. So I wanted to look this word up Wiles, other than why they named the coyote from the cartoon, Wily Coyote, that was the extent of my knowledge of this word. Wiles of the devil. This means, that little word, those five letters, means devious and cunning strategies employed in manipulating or persuading someone to do what someone wants. That's a lot built into that word that you may be able to stand against the devious cunning strategies employed in manipulating and persuading you to do what the devil wants. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now that word for flesh there, uh, Pastor Peter's always talking about the Strong's, the Strong's, uh, what is that called? The, The Concordance. That's how many words I know. I don't even know the word of the book, the name of the book. The Strong's Concordance, well, it says that right here, it says, wrestle against flesh and blood and that flesh means that your your human nature your sinful nature so he's saying we wrestle not against flesh and blood there's an assumption that we are currently using our free will to stand against sin there's an assumption by paul that if you are a born again professing believer surely you are not choosing to repeat sin over and over and over again personal responsibility starts this whole thing off For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. It is here for you. You have to take it. Personal responsibility. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. What is that evil day? What is he talking about? Is that like an end times hint? No, we live in enemy occupied territory, right? We know that from Jesus. We know that the dominion of the earth is with Satan. We know that from scripture, We are living in enemy territory and the evil day is when your number's been called and they're like, this is the day I'm coming after them. Do you remember in Luke, Jesus said to Simon, Simon, Satan has come and asked me to sift you, to to let him sift you. And I told him, no, get away. No, he said, and I've prayed for you. I pray that your faith wouldn't fail. Very important here. And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. When you come back, I've prayed that you're not gonna fall, you're going to fall, but when you stand back up, come strengthen your brothers. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end for all perseverance, and supplication for all the saints. He does not say that you are not going to get hurt, that you're not gonna get knocked down. He is saying, I'm gonna give you these tools that you might be able to stand after the attack. That you will have enough strength to stand. So let's look at the pieces of the armor of God. Paul breaks these into... How he writes about them, he lists out the six pieces, but the verbiage he uses uh, between the between the six are kind of two groups of three. So he breaks them into the first three, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness. We call it the shoes of peace, but the scripture actually says the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. So the, the language that he uses for the first three are a daily Every day you do this thing, it's like a uniform. This is like the baseline. These three are 24 hours a day, every single day of the week. Think of it like a baseball player, okay? Everyone that's on the team has on a uniform when it's a game time, okay? That's these three. Everybody that's on the team, you're doing these all day, every day. That's how you show who you are and how you live. The other three are to be kept with you all the time. But they're when you're going into a battle. So like a baseball player, right? So he's got his uniform on. He's got his things on. <clears throat> well, when he, he doesn't carry his bat the whole game, he takes it when he's going on offense. And he takes his glove to catch the ball when he's on defense. The other, The last three are to be kept with you and to keep ready for when you need to use them. So let's look at the first three. The theme... Of this entire set of armor, you'll see is readiness. You have to be ready. The enemy does not tell you when they're attacking. It's not a good strategy if they did. So I never understood, like in the old like Civil War days, when they're like, "Charge!" Well, again, like, now we know. Just go. <laughs> Anyways, they lost a lot of battles back then. <clears throat> Always be ready. The belt of truth. This is a state of readiness. So back in those times and still over in the Middle East, they wore a tunic. And um, it's a long, flowy thing to keep the sun off of them, keep them cool. But it was big and flowy. And so it would get caught. You know, if you go to bend over and get something, it would get caught under your feet or your hands would get caught in it if you're using different instruments, different things. So they would wear a belt. And this belt would keep everything tight to their body. It kept everything ready so that they could move. And that's why it says to gird your loins. What they're talking about, you've heard that saying before, is that means keep that belt on. Keep all the loose, flowy things. I don't know, it, when I touch this, it does that. Um, don't touch it, right? Free will, I'm not gonna touch it. Don't touch that. Uh, it keeps everything tight. Why this is important is because, and the, well, in the war for armor as well, like if they had that big chain mail, their belt would keep all of that stuff tight to their body. We need to be in a state of readiness. But why is it important? It says because God is truth, right? We know that. God is truth. That's why truth is the belt. Everything we do, everything that is around us needs to be run through that filter of truth. That truth is what holds it all together and allows us to be ready to move. Ephesians 14.4 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of the enemy's attack against me. No, 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 no. Doctrine. Tossed to and fro by doctrine, by the trickery of the devil. No, 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 of men. In cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. You take all those things that you hear, that you see, and you tuck them into truth. You run everything through the filter and the understanding of the scriptures. You run it through the truth. Okay, what's that old saying? The blank shall set you free. The truth. Let's look at what the verse actually says, yeah? We love using that one. Here's what it really says. John 8, 31 through 32. If, massive if right there. That's a short word, but it is, has huge implications. If you abide in my word, his truth, you are my disciples indeed. And, it means there's that precursor, if. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Knowing the truth is what enables that truth to make you free. Knowing the truth. When we remove the abiding with God from truth, we're removing we're removing that type of truth from it, and it just becomes facts. It's just true facts, and and the dangerous thing about that is that. Facts get you into religion. We want relationship, not religion. And I'm gonna give you a quick example. In Genesis, in the first chapter, it's talking about God creating everything. And the, the word they use is God. It just means that he is the God. And it talks about him. And then in chapter two in Genesis, you'll notice that the word they use changes. When he creates man, it goes to the Lord God. There's a relationship, there's a sovereignty, a lordship there. It goes from God to our Lord God. That's a very important change. Lordship, relationship. And when the serpent comes in, he flips back, he removes, the, he says, didn't God, say, did God not say, did, where he dropped the Lord and left God He left the concept, he left the facts. Is this truth? Is this true? No, no, what's true is the lordship. We need the relationship. That is how you get religion. When you remove the lordship from truth and from fact, that's how you fall into religion and debate and all of that stuff. If you, you need to know this because if you're unsure, it will lead to indecision, which leads to doubt, we need relationship, not religion. Breastplate of righteousness. This covers your thoughts and your emotions. In the Jewish culture, they um, they thought all your thoughts, they believed all your thoughts come from your heart. Like in Proverbs, it says, as a man thinks, so he is. Because your emotions, as you feel, it makes you think that and it causes emotion. So the breastplate of righteousness is saying, protect your thoughts and your emotions. How the heck do we do that? In this world and day and age when we are just riddled with anxiety and anger and fear and all of it, how do we do this? It's righteousness. That's why it's the breastplate of righteousness. It's the protecting your thoughts and emotions through righteousness. Close proximity to Christ is how you keep this thing right. It is crucial. Philippians 3 9, be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God by faith. Your daily devotion, your prayer, your doing the disciplines that we know we're called to do is how we stay in right relationship with Christ. His righteousness upon us. Nothing we do can gain righteousness, but we can draw close to him through these disciplines and his righteousness will protect our thoughts and our emotions. Let's keep moving. I can feel Pastor Peter looking at his watch. I'm looking at my clock. The shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. This one stings a little, just heads up, we're going into it. You call them the shoes of peace. This means firm footing and readiness. That's literally what that version of the that what that translation of preparation means. It means firm footing, strong foundation. It means being ready to give you sure footing and keep you safe on your journey. We are to be moving as believers. We are to be moving. There is an expectation that the gospel is spread through the church, through us. You don't need shoes on if you're not going out and walking around. Peace as believers, as believers, we should not be easily provoked to anger. Matthew Henry, who is one of my favorites, said that you may be ready for the combat. Be shod with the gospel of peace. Endeavor after the peaceable and quiet mind which the gospel calls for. Be not easily provoked nor prone to quarrel, but show all gentleness and all long suffering to the people you like. No, actually it says to all men. And this, this will certainly preserve you from many great temptations and persecutions, as did those shoes of brass the soldiers from those gall traps. As you move through this Christian faith, you're gonna need help to not slip. These first three, truth, righteousness, peace, these are daily things we walk in. This is what the life of a believer looks like day in and day out. Truth, righteousness, peace. Let's look at the last three. So remember, these are the ones that are described as keeping with us at all times for the evil day. But you need to have them sharp, ready. You need to be skilled. When you're walking into a potential situation that you think might be a bit of a trap, put it on. And you're thinking, Jared, this is ridiculous. There's no traps. When you're walking into a lunch with that buddy you haven't seen since 30 years before you were saved, who does he think he's having lunch with? Not the Christian version of you. 30 years ago, crazy, uh, stealing cars, getting drunk at college, you, right? That's who he thinks he's walking into, or she. Ladies, you're not getting away with that one. Or she, your old girlfriend from wherever, doing whatever. Yes, you too. That's when you go, okay, okay. I need to use these weapons. I need to put on these three things, right? When you're going into, uh, that's, you're like, that's not me. I'm a good person. That is a massive wasp. Uh, Whoo! Be over here. Uh, when you're going into the focus, Jared. Uh, when you're going into that family reunion, you're like, I don't ever eat lunch with anybody. Will you go see your family? You're walking into some fiery darts with that family. You're, that cousin's there. That sibling's there. You need to put. You need to be ready. You need to have these weapons on because they're going to say some stuff, and it is going to trigger you. And that peace, you're gonna rip them shoes off real quick and get to it. Why do you think when we fight, we're like, nope, peace is off, not doing that, okay? There's a reason maybe. <clears throat> Back to the notes. When you see a potential situation, you have these on, you're practiced, you're ready, Your sword is of sharp, use them. Shield of faith. This is overcoming temptation you need the shield because it says that the the fiery darts from the enemy, they're a distraction. And so the the, the arrows that they used to shoot back in the, the times when Paul was writing this, they had like a thick tar on them. And so when it would land, it would kind of splash onto whatever it landed on and it would continue on fire. And so their shields had a thick thing of leather around it so the leather wouldn't catch on fire. So they would use their shield to catch all the fiery arrows. That's why he uses this example. And what can you not do when you're on fire? You can't fight anything or anyone because you're on fire, okay? It's kind of a key thing to shooting a fiery arrow is that people get lit on fire. So the enemy is gonna shoot these things at you, these distractions, these lies, these arguments are gonna come at you on that evil day and your faith, I'm gonna show you how, your faith is gonna help you to extinguish those. Faith that God is the provider, that God is good, day in, day out. He provides all, he's above all. To sin is to believe a lie of what brings true happiness and satisfaction. Do not believe the lie. When you understand where all of the good that you've ever experienced, that you've ever had and that you ever will have comes from him. These attacks, these distractions aren't quite so powerful anymore. When you can accurately weigh everything you have against everything you would have without him, which is nothing. These attacks aren't quite so powerful. Matthew Henry again says, we are to be fully persuaded of the truth of all of God's promises and threats. Such a faith being of great use against temptations. To sin is to believe a lie of what brings you true happiness and satisfaction. That shield of faith. Helmet of salvation, this is hope and trust. It's a helmet because you have hope in, in your salvation. Hope protects your mind. It says a quiet, steady expectation of good based on the promises in God's word. That's optimism. Imagine going into a fight with a helmet on that you don't trust is gonna actually protect you. That you don't trust can actually save you. Or keep you safe. The helmet of salvation and hope protects you from a deadly blow to your mind. Lies, despair, doubting your very salvation, anxiety, depression. Have hope in your salvation. I think it's part of the reason David, when he, um, before he became king, when he went out to fight Goliath. I always thought he didn't put Saul's armor on because I like, in the, in the stories, he's like this little kid. And I'm like, oh, his armor's going to be like all loose and not fit him, which may be true. I don't know. I wasn't there. But now that I'm studying this with an actual semblance of understanding, um, I'm looking at it and I'm going, I think Saul, part of the reason David rejected Saul's armor is because he didn't have hope in that armor. His hope light yeah. in God which is why he was chosen in the first place. Where does your hope lie? We have to go into battle with full confidence that God is there. Full confidence of our salvation. Romans 8.28, this is why there's no need for pessimism right here or negativity. Romans 8.28, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. What is there to be negative about when all things work together for the good? Do you remember those counters? I don't remember when we taught, but Hope and I had these, um, my wife Hope, I'm talking about Hope and now I mean my wife Hope. um, We had these counters about being thankful. That's why it's important to practice that. You have to practice. Being thankful gives you hope. It puts your thoughts and your mind on godly things, not negative things, not pessimistic things. It's important to practice that. As born again sons and daughters of Christ, we are to walk in the hope and the freedom of our salvation. People should wonder why you're so positive all the time. It should look odd to people that you are so happy to be there, wherever there is. Sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Can you use the truth in scriptures? I don't mean in theory, I mean in practice. Not you as in the church, you personally. Do you know enough scripture to even be effective? And the reason I ask that is that we, everything that we need, he's given to us. And he has given us his word. And so that means anything we're ever gonna face, there is something in here for that. Do you know any scriptures about fighting off lust or depression or being tormented in your thoughts or temptation in general or rebellion in your children or anger or greed or jealousy? Do you know any scriptures pertaining to these attacks? How about the attack that you face all the time? Maybe you should go memorize some scriptures about the thing that you struggle with the most. We need to sharpen our sword, we need to be ready, we need to be prepared. How do you defend against this? You have to read your Bible. I've been doing this um, this new practice. I mean, I'm still reading my Bible. But something I'm doing in addition to that is sleeping to the scriptures being read to me. So in your Bible app, there's like a little, you can have it read to you. And not many people know there's actually a timer as well. So you can set it to read for a certain amount of time. So every night when I go to bed, I will set it to like 30 or 45 minutes and just have it read to me as I sleep. I have been shocked how much scripture I remember when I wake up. It's incredible. And I'll just be throughout my day and I'm going, when's the last time I read Malachi? I don't know why I'm thinking of the scripture in the book of Malachi. Or, you know, a bagat comes to your mind from numbers and you're like, what in the world? I'm like, why am I thinking about genealogies? I'm just walking around. It is incredible how thirsty your mind and your soul are for the words of God feed it. It is your weapon. If you doubt your weapon, you won't use it. If you are not confident in it, you won't use it. We want to know that we're going to pick up the word of God and use it. But if you question its accuracy, its clarity, the integrity of the scripture, if you're one of those people that loves to debate about how it's been diluted over millennia, you're going to be reluctant to use it when that evil day comes. If the enemy, think about this, if the enemy can get you, can get some doubt into your mind about the only off- offensive weapon that you've been given, he's going to have a much better chance at getting you to stumble on what Ephesians called the evil day. How powerful would it be if the enemy could get you to question, to question God himself? Because John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Hebrews, it says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. If you doubt your weapon, you're not gonna use it. The Bible is infallible. The Bible is truth. The Bible does not degrade over time. We cannot doubt our only weapon. So can you please stand with me as we close service today? You wanna know when it's hard to be hopeful? When you get home and the doctor just told you that your wife has cancer, but it's okay because you'll know more in six to nine weeks. And you're looking at your kids thinking, what does this mean? But it's okay, get some sleep, go rest. You'll find out more in nine weeks. It's really hard to be hopeful. But I am so thankful that she and I didn't wait until that moment to sharpen our sword. And we didn't wait until despair to develop those skills to pick up the armor. We have to do these things every single day. We are in a battle. You don't have to You don't have to accept the fact that we're in a battle to be in a battle. You can personally deny it all you want. You can deny it all the way up until it ruins you. It does not change the fact that you are in this battle. If you profess a belief in the risen Lord, you're in it. Every single day we put on the armor of God You have to be ready. Not if the evil day comes, it says when the evil day comes. You struggle with anxiety, you struggle with depression, find the hope of your salvation. Get that sword out, go through it, learn it, study it, understand it. You have to wield it with confidence and with power. with the assurance that the blood of Jesus Christ has forgiven us and is making a way for us to be with him in heaven. You have to have that assurance that his sacrifice was sufficient for you. So please close your eyes and let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the armor that you've given us We ask that you give us the strength to take it, to don it, to wear it. You give us the strength of will and the determination to get proficient with it, to practice it, to use it, to develop it. Father, we just pray for strength. Father, we are not gonna turn back. We're not going to go back on our decision to be your sons and daughters and to spread your gospel. We just pray for the continued strength to do it. Father, open our eyes to these things that we brush off as just being mere coincidence, to brush that we brush off as being an annoying day. God, and you show us what they really are. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit to be sensitive, to understand what is really happening. Father, make us hungry for your scriptures. Father, that that none of us just take my word for it, that we go and we read it and we learn it and we understand it. That we leave here a changed people with a new understanding of how we can win, of how we can walk this walk, how we can look like you in this world, every day. Father, we ask that you fill us up and that you strengthen us. And in your powerful name we pray, amen.